Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hey, Changemaker, it's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding. And I help you change makers grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. To do that, I teach you how to gain expertise in grant writing and coach you with systems so that you can become a freelance grant writer and 10x results, all from the comfort of your own home. All right, you guys. So you are a change maker if you're listening today. Chances are you either work at a nonprofit, you're on the board of a nonprofit, or you're a consultant or want to become a consultant to work with nonprofits. So you are doing so much change in the world. Anyways, today we're gonna be talking about how to get money for your nonprofit in eight powerful ways. This is great for you if you work in a nonprofit or if you govern a nonprofit, but it's also great for you if you are a consultant or want to become one because you're gonna get other ideas of maybe where to grow your expertise. Being a grant writer, you will often come across certain nonprofits that you're like, man, I could also help build a fundraiser right now or do some other kind of thing that will also help bring in money. Maybe they just aren't grant ready yet, meaning that nonprofit, right? But they could do an online crowdfunding campaign and come up with some great funds for their different projects that they're doing. So these are some ways to kind of wrap your head around, okay, let's let's go a little bit bigger, let's go a little bit wider, let's see what else we can get some money from. All right, so just to start here then, do you feel like earning revenue for your nonprofit or the nonprofit you work with is really difficult? Do you feel like there is no money left? Like, where is there money? And you're tired of only going after grants for revenue or maybe approaching the same darn corporate sponsors as every other nonprofit. Like you just see it all the time and you're like, man, they get, a, a, you know, they get asked from everyone to give them money and they just don't have any left in their silo. So like, let's go ahead and look at other ways to get out of those silos and to get more money. So these may all be signs that your nonprofit or the one that you're working with may not be healthy when it comes to funding. But the fact is that most nonprofit executive directors and many board of directors don't have MBAs or know how to operate a business. And the term diverse revenue streams may not be in their dictionary. But today, that term is going to be added to your vocabulary. Today, we are going to look at a variety of revenue streams for nonprofits. This will not only help your nonprofit or the nonprofits you work with gain fiscal health, but if you are a freelance grant writer, like I said, learning these other streams will also help your fiscal health. <laughs> it's always good to have more than one trick in your pocket to make some change. All right. I just, I just like totally came up with that. <laughs> that could be a quote. Anyways, use that. All right. So be sure to download the free checklist that accompanies this podcast by visiting www.grantwritingandfunding.com 
forward slash nine zero. Yes, today is our 90th episode. <laughs> so we're 10 away and I was looking, I was actually um, outlining the rest of the year today and in the podcast. So you're getting some awesome stuff. I've already actually recorded quite a few with different guests. We have some great, fantastic guests coming on. And just like in the same caliber of Alexis Cook, like she wasn't she amazing? If you didn't listen to that last week, do jump on to 89. It's fantastic. Anyways, so I was looking and I was like, oh my goodness, by the end of November, we're going to hit our 100th episode. So we're going to have to do something big for that one. So if you have any ideas, send me an email, holly at grantwritingandfunding.com. I would love to hear any ideas that you have. Maybe we can have some kind of online party. I don't know, some kind of fun stuff that we could do. So give me some ideas because I definitely want to celebrate because I couldn't do this without you guys who are listening. All right, well, I could, but that would be kind of boring <laughs> for me if nobody was listening. All right, and that being said, you do listen. I just want to give a big shout out to M. Titano, and I believe I know who this is. She gave a review on iTunes, fantastic review. What she said was valuable and informative. Holly is down to earth, real, with a love for helping people. She shares her vast knowledge of grant writing because she truly wants you to succeed. Everything I've listened to so far has been informative and easy to understand. Awesome. Thank you so much, M. Titano. I really appreciate that. I just really, really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to leave a review. And please, everyone else listening, if, you're, if you like this podcast, if you're listening a lot and you're gaining a lot of knowledge and skills from this, please do leave me a review on iTunes. It just takes a minute of your time and it really does help with the rankings and it also just helps with me like I said I just I like to do this I like to share the information with you so it's nice to have that reciprocal feedback from you as well so thank you again and tight to know all right so what are you going to learn today let's get right into it right uh, we love to give our celebration and then we love to get right into the learning so what you're going to learn today are three main things you're going to learn what types of revenue are available for the nonprofit you work with and that are needed for a healthy nonprofit. Number two, as a freelance grant writer, you're going to learn what other topics you can build skills in to offer further services and products to nonprofits. Like I said, it's going to help your fiscal health too. And number three, it'll help you come up with ideas to expand revenue for nonprofits. All right, so you may not realize all the different ways that nonprofits can secure money, or you may be a freelance grant writer and know that there are better ways than only grants to fund the nonprofits you work with. And today we're going to outline the different ways that nonprofits can secure revenue. These revenue pathways, I like to call them. And once again, if you want to follow along, do grab the downloadable. It's totally free. You can get it at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash nine zero. So you'll have the whole list of these and a little breakdown of which each one is. So if you're like um, on the treadmill right now or you're driving or whatever, <laughs> don't pull up something to take a note of you if you can't, right? You can definitely get that downloadable when you have the time to do that. And then you can have just this little checklist so you can have that next to you to come up with some more ideas. All right, so these revenue pathways are also different techniques and skills that you as a freelance grant writer can learn to expand your business. Learning about these different revenue streams will help you expand revenue for nonprofits. Super cool. So let's get into it so you can find out different ways to earn revenue for the nonprofit you work at, or if you are a grant writer, the different types of funding that your clients can tap into. So the different types of revenue streams for nonprofits. So I have outlined eight revenue streams today for nonprofits. 
please take into consideration that these are not all exclusive. There's many other ways as well, but these are the ones that I love. They're the ones that you see primarily, except I have a couple of throw-ins that are, I believe, are going to be more and more popular and seen in the ne- in the upcoming, so they're a little bit newer progressive trends, but I'm definitely going to highlight those. But there are tons more, but I, like I said, I'm focusing on some of the big ones. Additionally, these types of revenue streams can overlap. For example, a crowdfunding campaign may be considered a fundraiser, but these categories all have their own legs. They got some legs to them, right? In their own right. (laughs) All right, so let's get into it. Number one, fees for services or goods. And that's usually, they say goods, right? But I say products. So in parentheses, I have products. So fees for services or goods, products. This means the nonprofit provides services and or products. What? Nonprofits can earn money through selling things? It ain't so, you might say, but it's true. It is so darn true that it makes up the highest percentage of revenue of many nonprofits in the United States. According to the Nonprofit Sector in Brief 2014 National Center for Charitable Statistics, nonprofits received 50% of their revenue from fees for services and goods from private sources. 23.1% for fees for services and goods from the government, and 12.9% from private contributions, 9.2% from government grants, is a lot lower than you might have thought, hmm? 3.6% from investment income, and 1.2% from other income. Therefore, it is time to really think of how to develop fees for services and goods to be sold to the public and to the government. Interesting little fact there, huh? So you may not have known that, but I have a link on the blog as well. So you can definitely check out grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash nine zero so you can see a little graph and I have all the links to the different information I'm going to share with you today. Today I'm going to kind of go nerdy a little bit as we explain some of these things to you. There's a lot of links for you. And if you want some of these, don't fret. I will be breaking this down in more detail so all of these different types of ways to get earned income in the upcoming podcasts in the series. But without leaving you completely in the dry, think of the Girl Scouts. This is one of the most prevalent examples of earned income or earning fees for services and goods, right? So the Girl Scouts go out and sell those yummy cookies. And I hope there's gluten-free at some point. (laughs) And it provides the girls with entrepreneurial skills. So those girls make some massive cash. In fact, according to Business Insider, the Girl Scouts have built a $300 million enterprise selling 200 million boxes of cookies annually. The money then goes back into the nonprofit. Pretty cool, huh? So that is just one example of how you can earn income. But I'm definitely going to go into this series. So in the next couple of weeks, you're going to be hearing more about different examples and case studies to give you some ideas of how you can do this and really diversify your funding. Right now, you might just be only getting money for the nonprofit through grants, or maybe you're only getting money for the nonprofit through individual giving, right? So you really want to learn how to diversify your funding streams. All right, so number two, Grants. Of course, I'm going to talk about grants. This is grant writing and funding. But don't forget, it is the and funding that we're also talking about. But yes, grants are usually what comes to mind when nonprofits think of funding their projects. As a grant writer, grants are amazing, right? They're like totally the bomb. (laughs) So however, as a grant writer, I also highly recommend diversifying your income. 
or your revenue, right? Grants are mostly to fund projects for a certain duration and are not long-term. For most nonprofits that are fully grant-funded, they may fall into the rut of chasing the money because those grants are always ending, right? So examples of grants are like getting a federal grant from the Department of Justice for $450,000 to fund a three-year domestic violence transitional shelter. So you see it's going to end in three years. And then what are you going to do? That's why you have to have sustainability sections set up in your grants that show once the money ends, how your project can continue. Another example is a foundation grant of $5,000 for funding the purchase of IT equipment. You can see how that's very, very specific. And a lot of grants, yes, they're very specific and they're time bound. So they're going to end. So yeah, grants are fantastic. But remember, grants are better suited for funding specific projects. Sometimes you can find grants that fund general operating expenses, and that's great. But most often, grants will fund a certain type of project and only for a certain amount of time. That's why you got to diversify. <laughs> what else are we going to diversify? Fundraising, number three. Fundraising is another aspect that many nonprofits tap into for funding their nonprofits. Fundraising is very diverse, to say the least. And you're going to hear Beauty Camacho talk in a couple of weeks, and she's going to talk all about some different ideas on how to do fundraising. And it's going to be a lot of fun because I know some of you are going to start already planning to get things going for Giving Tuesday or just for Thanksgiving. There's a lot of drives around, a lot of fundraisers around this time of year. So she's going to give you some fantastic ideas. But fundraising is another aspect that nonprofits do tap into. It's very diverse. Some examples include events such as car washes, coupon books, galas, pancake breakfasts, all of those types of things, right? So fundraising is amazing for funding operational costs. So this is kind of the opposite of grants because when the money comes in, you're doing it for a certain project, right? That your, your fundraiser is the project. But once the money comes in, then you can you can put it into either a certain project that you want your nonprofit to do. But most often, I really recommend nonprofits to fund use some of that for general operating expenses. And what I mean by that, general operating expenses are like overhead, salaries, um, your bookkeeper maybe, maybe hiring that grant writer, right? You know, those type of things that people can do with the overhead, the monies that aren't allocated to a certain thing or locked in. Like grants, you have to spend money where you say you're going to spend money, right? And general operating expenses are a little bit more diverse and they're a lot easier to kind of switch around and fund what you need funded. The thing with fundraising, though, is usually for certain times throughout the year. You don't normally have an ongoing 24-7 fundraiser going all year round. There is a lot of work on the front end of fundraisers to get all your ducks in a row. But these can also be great in offering exposure to your nonprofit or the nonprofits you work with. For your fundraisers, you don't only get money, right, the money that comes in, but you can do something that raises awareness about your mission, too. All right, number four, corporate solicitations. Corporate solicitations includes asking corporations to donate items or services or money, right, to your nonprofit, securing monetary donations, and ways to leverage businesses. So maybe a cell phone provider donates Wi-Fi access to your nonprofit, right? They pay for your phones or your Wi-Fi. They don't charge you. Um, they do it in kind, right? Or a bank gives your nonprofit a $5,000 annual cash donation to your nonprofit. 
or even a business wants to improve its corporate social responsibility and can find provide ways for your nonprofit or your nonprofit to benefit, right? So there's different things. Usually it's some kind of in-kind donation. Maybe you're in a new office and you have and then they provide uh, desk and cubicles and that sort of thing at no cost to you. But they want what do they want? They want a tax deduction then, right? <laughs> so that's what they want. But oftentimes too, you can ask corporations to donate money. So corporate solicitations may also cross over into fundraising events as you may approach corporations to dedicate funding towards the fundraiser. Or you can approach corporations to see if they will be annual sponsors. A word to the wise, a word of the wise, <laughs> is to ensure that you approach corporations that have a mission that is aligned with the nonprofit's mission. Don't go to a corporation that has a totally different ethos because that won't make any sense whatsoever. Number six, individual charitable contributions. Donors, donors, donors. These are individual contributions. Maybe your nonprofit already utilizes this pathway where you have individuals donate $10 every month to your cause and it's done automatically. Or maybe you have a donate now button on your nonprofit's website and get random individual donations. Those of you with a little more experience in individual contributions may even head an endowment foundation where you chase alumni from, from a university to give them an annual basis. So there's definitely different ways of doing this. In any case, if you aren't tapping into this, then you could really be missing out on a lot of money. According to an article in Stanford Social Innovation Review in 2015, the average smaller nonprofit raises 36% of its annual overall income from individual donors. Individual donors give about $435 a year on average, whether big or small, online or offline, recurring or one time. Very interesting, huh? Another stat they provided was smaller nonprofits are raising 17% of their annual individual donor income online. So yes, you do have that donate now button on your website. In this series, go into more, not in today's episode, but within this whole series, I will go into more detail and ideas to garner more individual charitable contributions. Some of these ideas may put you in a temporary tailspin, i.e. dedicate a full-time staff member to do this, <laughs> but we'll definitely get there. All right, so let's get into number six. Number six, crowdfunding campaigns. Online giving is real these days, and you just heard that from those stats that was provided as far as really an increase of even individual donor giving going way up online. It's just easy with a click of a button, isn't it? When you don't have to get out cash or get out, you know, all those kind of things. Facebook makes it really easy to, to give online. The crowdfunding campaigns include raising money for a certain project or a specific amount of money in a certain amount of time through online platforms. For an example, uh, an animal shelter may need to raise $5,000 in one month's time or in a week's time to perform a life-saving surgery for a fox, right? A crowdfunding campaign also usually includes incentives for the donors. This might be their name on the animal's cast or something unique and fun that gives a feeling of impact. So I'll definitely go more into crowdfunding campaigns, but I also have a link to a interview that I did with Steve Vick from Nonprofit Ally who specializes in crowdfunding campaigns for nonprofits. So that link is on the website if you want to check out that. He is amazing. He's a great friend of mine, and he's also redoing my website. So super cool information there. All right, number seven, 
Emerging Social Capital. We heard about this type of project last week with Alexis Cook and Unlocked as she discussed how Unlocked is created as a corporate social responsibility business and provides skills and a pathway for homeless women to become the jewelry makers and to earn an income and get out of homelessness while creating beauty. And it's really cool how they do this because they partner with a nonprofit that then provides wraparound services for these women. So the women, the homeless women are beneficiaries or clients of the nonprofit. And they also get housing with the nonprofit and other um, needs that they might have. But Unlocked provides the jobs, right? They actually provide the jobs. And that's so much a part of their ethos and is a part of their actual how the company is developed so it's not just a corporate so it could seem like it's a cor- oh that's just corporate solicitation again holly no it's actually really different it's a really it's not just you know here's some cash here's a little cash and uh, give us a tax deduction it's really being an integral part of the organization so do check out episode 89 if you missed this last week because it might inspire your nonprofit with ideas to look for these types of businesses that are developed and you can even think of like tom's shoes right if you buy a pair of shoes they give a pair of shoes they match a pair of shoes for someone in need or in a third world country that sort of thing so there's different organizations that are built like this and this way more businesses or small groups of people are inclined to partner in creative ways to actually help and to leverage nonprofits. So like I said, it's it's different than a pure corporate solicitation is there is a higher level of partnership, which isn't just a side help and possibly just a tax write-off or a greenwash, but from a corporation. But the nonprofit is the integral part of the mission of the business. They have to have that nonprofit participation to exist. So it's really, really cool. All right, and number nine. So this might be one that you haven't really heard before business owners have heard of this (laughs) but and it's almost more of a marketing strategy but I'm including it as a main kind of pathway as I really believe it can be and this is influencers so I'm including this definitely 2019 as this is a new sort of phenomena which nonprofits can leverage this is more like I said of a marketing strategy rather than a pure source of income, but it can lead to generate income and connecting with influencers should be a strategy that is part of a nonprofit's revenue plan. This could cross over into nonprofits having a certain product they sell. Remember the first thing that we talked about today? And if they find influencers to post about it, to wear the, if they have a product, you know, jewelry that they wear, that sort of thing. Or if they offer services and the influencer is promoting them, maybe they enter or they offer, the nonprofit will offer mental health services. So they have counselors that are going to um, provide these services that will raise revenue for the nonprofit. And maybe there's an influence out there that is really passionate about mental health services and will promote your nonprofit in some ways. So definitely a good idea to leverage influencers. And like I said, it could cross over into having a product you sell and this could cross into your sales being up right so another way to leverage influencers is to have a very well-known influencers be passionate about your overall mission and to raise further awareness about it or to start fundraising directly for your cause so this could also cross over into what crowdfunding right any kind of fundraisers you're doing if you have all of a sudden an influencer come on and say that they're going to attend your fundraiser event you might get a whole bunch of other people that buy tickets to it right that sort of thing an example i have here is one of the nonprofits that i know in jordan 
3DP for me makes hearing aids using 3D printing. It's so very cool. I definitely recommend that you check them out. And they were featured in LA Times last year and Guy Kawasaki caught wind of it and posted about it on his Instagram to his millions of followers. So needless to say, this had a tremendous impact of raising awareness about their nonprofit. I'm not exactly sure if that really translated into dollars or how many dollars that translated into, but I know um, I was talking to Jason, the ED, and he was saying, oh my goodness, like Holly, this is crazy how much exposure we've gotten and it's just opened up like a funnel all of a sudden of people contacting them. So very, very cool. A way that I see influencers directly raising money for nonprofit causes they believe in is through some sort of crowdfunding. For example, Sean Croxton of Quote of the Day podcast and Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income podcast have both funded schools for Pencils of Promise, and that's a nonprofit that has schools in um, developing nations around the world. And I'm gonna find out exactly how Sean did this because I'm not exactly sure if he actually did it as a crowdfunder. I believe he just ended up giving back part of what, you know, his income. He was like, hey, I wanna share and I wanna do this. And I think he actually named a school after his grandma. I'm t- I could be totally, I've gotta follow up with him and see because it's so cool. I love when I heard about his story, I just can't recall it right at this moment and I can't find it anywhere. So I wanna talk to him. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, he did, he was able to do that, which is really cool. So sometimes that goes into individual giving as well, right? And another way, you know, so tapping into people that have money, right? And that have, they're passionate about your cause. And while Pat, he, I know he utilized a sort of crowdfunding campaign where his listeners and followers could contribute money and then he matched everything that was contributed. And that was a part of his birthday present. So he said, you know, I'm turning 35 and I want to raise you know, I want to raise a school to reach a thousand kids, help match, you know, help me raise money and I'll match everything you guys give. So that was really, really cool. So he definitely utilized this crowdfunding kind of approach. And then it wasn't like Pat's school. It was like, no, this is our tribe school. You know what I mean? So it was really cool how he ended up making his followers and listeners feel like, because they were, but make them really feel and know that they were a part of that school and their efforts. So really, really cool. I see this happening more and more and more, right? Even on Facebook. Facebook gives people the opportunity to throw a fundraiser on their birthday. And tapping into influencers that believe in what you're doing is a great way to kick off your crowdfunding campaign or just to increase awareness and hopefully donors about your nonprofit. But yeah, that's definitely a cool way. I love that Facebook does that, um, keeps it really easy. And then you can just tap once to give. So it makes it like everything's, you know, integrated, even Amazon smiles, right? There's so many different ways. Now people are giving a lot more online because it's so easy to do. So anyways, and they're just, and they're able to see, they're able to watch little videos and they're able to see what the impact is with their giving and influencers help that out tremendously. They do a lot that marketing for you in many good ways. All right. So there are your eight ways. Be sure to get your downloadable, the checklist of all the different ways to earn income by clicking uh, on www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash nine zero. And just as a wrap up to today's episode then, so now you know what eight different types of revenue pathways there are for your nonprofit or the nonprofits you work with to actually raise money and to get money. And these are, once again, number one, fees for services or goods slash products. Two, grants, government and foundation. Three, fundraising. 
four corporate solicitations, five individual charitable contributions, six crowdfunding campaigns, seven emerging social capital, and eight influencers. All right, so be sure to download the checklist and I will see you guys all next week. All right, as we continue in our series, I'm gonna go a lot deeper. Today, I just wanted to give you the broad scope and sweep of all of these different items, these eight different pathways. And now I'm gonna get a lot more nerdy into some of them more specifically and give you a breakdown on how to achieve those in different ideas and case studies. So you can definitely say, okay, in 2020, we're gonna incorporate some of these different funding pathways. It's not only gonna be the one or the two that we've done in the past, but let's go ahead and try for the eight and see where that, you know, let's make a plan. Let's make sure that we can diversify our revenue streams so we can make a healthy income and a healthy nonprofit. All right, guys, I'll see you next week. See you later. Do you want to join the Changemaker Tribe and get courses, downloadable checklists, samples of awarded grants, behind-the-scenes live Q&A with myself and the tribe, and discounts on grant services? Be sure to join the Changemaker membership at www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash membership. Thank you for listening to this grant writing and funding podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time. For more questions, email Holly at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com or visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com.